Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome back to The Grind, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We are coming to you live from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention annual meeting at Central Baptist Church in Jonesboro. I am Dave McClung, your lovely host, and with me, as always, is my Boo-Winkle to my Rockies. Yeah, yeah I'm, I am, I'm currently in a closet recording a podcast with two other grown men. and uh, <laughs> The lights are on. Yeah. Uh, no funny business here. Usually we're in the dungeon of the ABSC, and now we're in some closet at Central Baptist. <laughs> yeah, we're hey. starting to pick up on a theme here. Uh, we're, we're, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're really, we're really a uh, you know, big budget production here. <laughs> yeah, we, we've kidnapped our friend uh, Dan Reeves from Journey Church in Jonesboro and sequestered him off into the closet with us, and. Uh, <laughs> So it just goes downhill from here, Dan. I'm sorry. To... Wow. Thanks for the invite, I think. <laughs> yeah. You can decide yeah. if it was worth it afterwards. Yeah, it won't yeah. be. Just yeah. we'll go ahead and answer that for I've you. I've been now. strategically placed away from the door. So that's good. So. <laughs> yeah. There's a quick exit oh, uh, if you feel panic coming on. Okay. Uh, we don't want you having a panic attack in the middle of this conversation. We'll so, do. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. So we've been, we've been uh, excited about having Dan on uh, for a little while, and this was a very strategic opportunity opportunity when we come to his hometown and yeah. uh, say hey while you're here why don't you come hang out with us and talk about nonsensical stuff with us this is what we do and he agreed uh, yeah i've always wanted a recording of these conversations <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this provides an opportunity that's right that's right now are you from jonesboro i actually am from jonesboro okay i grew up here um uh went to high school here and uh i actually went to central baptist church here in jonesboro growing up oh, and, uh, wow. that kind of started in sixth grade when I got an invite from uh, a friend that was uh, on a baseball team with me and invited me to vacation Bible school, of all things. Mm. And uh, he promised, or his parents promised, we would go swimming afterwards. So I said, okay, Amen. well, let's go. let's go. And uh, I kind of stuck. And uh, so I kind of, my whole church experience kind of got wrapped up in having people that invested in me here. And then uh, went off to college, had a call to ministry, went to Washington Baptist in our, down in Arkadelphia, um, came back up here. Uh, spent some time doing different ministry things all over the board, uh, youth ministry, uh, planted a house church in the 90s, which I always say in the 90s, a house <laughs> church is a definition for cult. But, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we did that, um, and so that was an interesting experience. Worked in different sized churches and rural communities, and uh, so had the house church experience. Worked in a farming community in a kind of a re- church revitalization situation, and came back to Jonesboro to my home church, uh, at Central Baptist, uh, a little over, about 11 years ago uh, as a college pastor, and uh, I don't know why I'm telling you my life history, but I'm, it just kind of yeah. The yeah. question was, are you from Jonesboro? So can we go back? <laughs> yeah. Can we go back to let's, uh, let's start yeah. over and cut yeah. out all that stuff? Yeah, uh, I don't know. You, you you guys were staring at me like you were interested, and <laughs> no one's ever interested yes. in what I say. I so we are very interested. What I want to know is why you didn't just go 30 miles, you know, to the great Williams Baptist College where Dave and I are graduates right. instead of down graduates. to the other baptist college that very few people know about in arkadelphia um 
I don't have a good answer for that <laughs> at all. Uh, other than to say my wife graduated from Williams. So now, the, now when was she there? Uh, I think y'all had a little overlap. I mean, she uh, she actually started at Washtenaw, and then uh, saw the we line. got we got married. Yeah, I saw the light <laughs> in me. We got married and moved back up here so I could work, and uh, uh, she finished up at Williams over there. Yeah. So that would have been ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, we did overlap. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I did. I think I did just about everybody's admissions tour that came through here. Oh, really? Uh, in those last couple of years, I was there. I don't know why. Uh, evidently, I told stories better than most, and because uh, yeah. I made all of them up, none of them were true. Yeah. Yeah. Of uh, course. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so let's let's kind of. I don't want to go back to something because I just learned something about you yesterday. Okay. <laughs> this came up, and you just brought it up again. That you planted a house church. I never knew this about you. You didn't know that. I did not know that. So mm-hmm. how did that come about, and what was that experience like? Okay, well, um, when we moved back up here to Jonesboro, I knew I was called to ministry. I'd always thought back, even in the 90s, uh, that I was going to plant a church. I kind of had, had the thought that I was going to go to, like, the northwest Oregon, Washington area, something like that. I had this whole scenario, as you do when you're, like, a teenager in your early 20s. I was going to have a furniture building uh, a shop and have a church in it. That's what I yeah. thought. Of course, that was completely crazy in the nineties. <laughs> uh, but we moved back up here, and I was doing construction work and um, doing that part time. I was going to graduate school, and so I was working all day, going to graduate school at night, doing things like that. And I was working as a uh, student pastor um, part time, so we're doing the whole Wednesday weekend thing, and um, which was good. But uh, we kind of through that whole thing. I mean, I started a construction business and and those kind of things to just supply for our family, and uh, really got into that. Well, I, I had always thought, well, I'm going to go into full time ministry, and then I had an opportunity uh, to uh, go to a, a church in Tennessee. A, t- a church in Tennessee had I interviewed with them to be an education and student pastor, um, and it all looked good. You know, it was like that next logical step type of thing if you're looking to do that. And uh, uh, we thought we were going to do it, uh, and we were driving back. And on the way back home, uh, it's probably the clearest if if I could say the Lord spoke to me that I've ever had some. You know, felt like that happened where. What, what came to me was, uh, you, you want to go take a job to tell people how to make disciples, and you've never made one. Mm. And mm. that was as clear of a statement that I'd ever have. And I turned to my wife, I said, I don't think we can go take that job. I don't think we can do that. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think I can authentically. I had taught a lot. I had led worship. I had worked at every other job in the church. But I really couldn't point to an actual person, not that I had not led to Christ, because I had led people to Christ, but I had not walked somebody through what it means to be a follower of Christ, like individually. Mm-hmm. And so that that sent us down a completely different road, and we pulled our name out of the hat from that, and I actually left my part-time job at the church, and we started to explore what it would look like to actually try to reach people in the ch- in, that are outside of church from a very basic level, lead them to Christ, and walk with them. And the reality was, um, especially at that time, people weren't, you know, there's a certain group that, you know, if you went to church, it was pretty much choirs. And, you know, I mean, my paradigm for understanding what it meant to be a pastor was a suit and a tie and, and mm-hmm. that whole thing. And not yeah. that that's bad, but there was a certain group in our town that 
I, I knew we're not going to go there, and they were predominantly younger college, uh, young adult age. And so we started a uh, Bible study in a house on a Tuesday night as a house church and just trying to figure it out. And we didn't really know what we were doing other than let's say that we just said, let's try to strip everything away and just have relationships in the Word of God and see what happens. And um, so what grew out of that, um, we, we went from about uh, four to six people to over the next three years grew to about 60 people. Wow. Uh, and meeting in a house and in one house and, wow. and one house, and uh, uh, we, you know, we we registered as a five hundred one c three. We we did all those type of things, and um, it's kind of one of those things we didn't really know what we had. I mean, there was nobody helping us, like in the sense of like we didn't have mentors or <laughs> things like that, or there there wasn't really a paradigm to look at to do what we were doing. We didn't think um, at the time we just weren't connected to it, yeah. and, and so we were out there doing it. But uh, it was one of the most authentic to uh, use an overly used word, expressions of church that we've ever had, which still influences what we do today. Right. I mean, there's so much of that we take from that. Um, uh, we, we didn't know how to scale it, you know, at the time. We didn't know how to make it bigger than what it was or keep it going mm. in the sense. And then um, I had an opportunity to go to um, a church, another church that got called a kind of a supply preach and then interim and then ended up getting offered a job at a church and felt like the Lord was leading us to do that. And uh, so we... We made a transition um, at that point, but anyway, it was an interesting scenario. It gave us a lot of like, uh, it, it really shaped the way we view church even today. Now that we're doing something completely, what looks like on the outside, completely different, but the inner workings of it are heavily influenced by that experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that dude. I I don't know. We've talked a lot, but I had never yeah heard that story. So uh, well, there you go. Deep insights into the life of Dan Reeves, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can go deeper. Yeah. I can go deeper. So what are the things that you said, I mean, obviously, model-wise, you're not meeting in the living room. Right. Your neighbors don't hate you because there's cars parked all exactly, over Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny because my oldest daughter, she's married now, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And she wants to buy the house that we met in. Whoa. They, she's like, that's my dream is to go. Because she has such fond memories wow, of yeah. that experience growing up with those people yeah. in community and the things that happened there. And, I mean, it's just, it, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it, no, no. it's interesting to look back. Yeah. And now, with a, with in hindsight, with some clarity and go, wow, that... It was really special what the Lord did, and it really did shape us, you know. So, so the community aspect, I guess, would be one of the things that you would say shaped journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. I don't. I'm picking that up. But is there other things that you say? Because I mean, it is so different to yeah. think about yeah. how journey is from a living room. But you yeah. said it's because you guys run what now uh, with kids about 1,100 yeah. with kids. Yeah. You know, so to say it's. But you said in the. Mm-hmm. I get, I'm reading between the lines, but you almost said in the core, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting. I mean, you say that. I mean, because um, it's kind of like the. Uh, I mean, when you look on the outside, it, it looks like okay. Well, there's a band, and there's you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a nice environment. It's a cool building. It's just a metal building, but it's kind of a cool environment and stuff like that. And um, but really, what makes it churn or makes it work is the relationships. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. And so what we I think if you were going to reduce it all down to yeah. what those two elements I said in the beginning, mm. it's the word and relationships. Yeah. And so can we make this about that? And then sure, we're going to get together and you know, the whole, we, we kind of do that balancing act. People say, well, is the church supposed to be attractional and missional? And I say, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. it should, because we live in the, we, one, if we exalt Christ, he says he'll draw men and, and women to himself. And so that's 
pretty tractional, you know, if we've got the greatest story ever. And so we do experience the traditional in the South thing where people come in the front door on Sunday as their first entry point to the church. And we have to be aware of that. And, uh, you know, we invite them into our house that way. But the missional side of it, to use another buzzword, we didn't use that word then, but that's what it was. It was purely relational, and it became so intrinsic that, um, you know, we, we gave our money together. Um, we, we served together. I was out at our community center. My daughter takes tennis lessons down at the Earl Bell Community Center, and uh, we were sitting on these bleachers, and I said, we were on the bleachers. I turned to my wife. I said, do you remember these bleachers? <laughs> and she said, no. And I said, well, 20 years ago, we purchased these bleachers and we put them together for the city. Wow. And, she, and she didn't remember that. Yeah. But now, like, you know what I'm saying? Crazy. Like those type of things, it was like very practical, very like hands on. You know, everything was very uh, um, uh, it wasn't philosophical, I guess, is the thing. It, it wasn't like, mm. oh, what's your methodology yeah. uh, or whatever. We didn't have names for it. We we basically just said we're going to do this thing. And so that translates into now where we do have names for things, and <laughs> we try to <laughs> intentionally recreate what we experience naturally, yeah. you know, because it is not people's norm. Right. So the attractional side, the missional side, if you want to use that word, becomes more grounded in, okay, what does it actually look like to live in community together? What does it look like to get into God's Word and understand it for for yourself and feel the power of God changing you as an individual and for us to do that together in the community? And so we've just basically tried to take that model and expand that so that it could be replicated over and over again in many different contexts. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously it's an imperfect science. I mean, we're not saying we've got it figured out, right. but it's always this trying to go forward by going back yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That makes cool. sense. Yeah. So, so you wind up back at central. Yeah. Uh, and crazy you know, story. Like yeah. that happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you're doing college ministry, which mm-hmm. then begins to morph into, Hey, we can, we can start a, we can start a church here, start a campus yeah. here. Yeah, and again, when we first came to college ministry, I mean, it was the same story. There were probably about 40 to 50 college students that were, they had a Bible study on Wednesday night, and they hadn't had a college pastor in a while. Um, and so it was, it was you know, hanging in there, treading water in, in that sense, and there was some good stuff there. But when we came in, we basically just took what, what we did there. It's the same thing I did in a rural church, same exact thing that we did. We took that and brought it, into a college ministry, did the same exact thing. And then as we did that, God started to bless that as well, you know. Um, and, um, I mean, over the next two years, it went from 40 people to 2 to 250 people, mm. college students. Yeah. And that allowed us the opportunity at the time the church was growing, um, Central was growing, and the college ministry was gaining a lot of momentum, and we were doing things on the campus, again, real practical things, like we started ASU Move In and stuff like that and started helping the university out in different ways. And so from that, it was like, well, these these paths converged or all this stuff was happening. It's like, can we take this and can we tweak it again and expand it out to where this vision includes preschool children, senior adults, and invite everybody onto this, you know, onto this train and try to reach the community with it. And so an interesting blend of like college and community come in, comes into play at that point, you know. But 
the guts of it was always the same thing. It, yeah. it never, that was the one thing that was continuing on. And over the, I mean, over the years, and we're still having to fight to keep that. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I mean, it's the gravitational pull is completely away from that. Right. That you know, even on the ride over here today, I mean, just driving across town, my mind's like, okay, how do I, how do we turn the dial? How do we continue to turn the dial back because the gravitational pull is continually pulling toward um, something that's not that. And I, I don't know what that is, why that is. Uh, you know, the longer things exist, the more institutional they become or whatever. Mm. Yeah. You know. The, the longer you go and the larger you get. It's so, harder, yeah, uh, to scale that. Like what yeah. I experienced in the beginning, you know, like yeah. how do you scale this thing? I had no idea in my 20s yeah. how to do that. Yeah. You know, I still don't know that I completely know how to do that. Yeah. But the Lord has been faithful through the years of helping us figure out the next stage. So that's what we did. We moved on the campus of ASU as a campus of a traditional church in Jonesboro and expanded that out. And so at that point, you know, 70 to 80 percent of our um, uh, our leadership or volunteer base was college students. We had two full-time staff people and that was it. Mm-hmm. And it made another jump numerically, which those jumps are hard, again, because you're not incrementally growing. Yeah. You know, you're not growing by twos and you know, tens, you're growing by hundreds, fifties to hundreds at that point. And so that's really hard to keep that leadership thing, you know, out, stay out in front of that. It's a, it becomes different just because of the nature of the influx of people. And so that's why it's at that point, it's hard to, okay, how do we retrofit this thing to do what it was, you know, and continue that process. So, yeah. Awesome. So, so campus continues to grow, continues to kind of morph. Uh, develops its own personality. Uh, you guys move to new location. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. new building now, and all of a sudden, yeah. everything just continues to grow. And yeah, about three and a half years in, we were able to purchase land, you know, and build a permanent facility not too far from the college campus, but it's more in a community. And we we've seen the nature of who we are change with that. You know, yeah. we're more. Uh, we still have a lot of college students, but it's a, it, it's a lot more balanced in that. I mean, people think of us as a college church in Jonesboro, if you know us, but it's probably, if you really looked at us, we're not that. Our our largest group now is uh, preschool and their parents. So 25 to 36 is kind of the, the you know, the pocket with yeah. most of them and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, we became, uh, we did that. We moved into a, another location, um, and then... Uh, just about 10 months ago, January of this year, we became autonomous yeah. and so became a freestanding church on our own. And so it's a wild ride, you know, over 10 years, a decade of yeah. trying to figure that thing out from starting with 40 or 50 college students to that growing and it becomes a campus and then you do it again and move to locations and then here you are and you're on your own. And uh, now we're looking ahead. <laughs> Was it a challenge to move from the campus out did, did it did it feel like you were losing a little bit of your identity? Did you wrestle with that? What was that like? That decision? Yeah, to... yeah. I mean, I and I think we still feel that to mm-hmm. some degree. Um, you know, people are like, who are we? You know, and depending on where you came in on that journey, yeah, <laughs> honestly dictates your expectation of what that is, right. your experience of that is. Right. So there's some people. I mean, I had had thing probably a few months ago where I said, hey, how many of you were here when we launched? And you know, hands go up. And then how many of you weren't here? You know, and probably 70% of the people weren't there. Wow. You know, so th- you, that that tells the story. So their experience 
of who we are, what we're about very is very different. And so how well we articulate the story over and over again becomes important, but you don't want to be that guy that's always talking about the past, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. like, it's always got to be about the future, yeah. you know, and bringing them in. And so we do things intentionally to do that yeah. through a membership class and, and different things of that nature to try to, and you mentioned like pipeline, different things like that. So we, we've tried, we've had to create those things to continue the intentionality of it. Um, so, but it has to your question. I mean, it definitely has changed the nature of it and it has struck. We have struggled with who we are. I think even right now with the new launch, you know, with that people come in and go, like, okay, well, we're going to be this or that when we're on our own. And I mean, depending on who you're talking to, that can be all kinds of things, <laughs> yeah. you know, expectations yeah. of what that means. And yeah. to say, no, this is, you know, the core is still the same. Yeah. It's not about, a, it, it never was about a methodology. Right. It, it never was about thinking, you well, we've got cool music or, you know, this curriculum. It was about can we be true to relationships? Can we be true to God's word and be faithful to the people that are in front of us of making disciples? And if we can do that, then the personality of it kind of takes care of itself, you know, yeah. uh, I think. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, all the way through this, those two things have remained constant, you know, saying let's be faithful to God's word, faithful to building relationships. And so... You know, now, you know, 1100 on campus, you know, kind of on vision, ministry, everything, you know, to keep that moving, those are even heightened even more and developing a, a stronger leadership base and a broader leadership base, which has kind of led you guys to, to really use interns well and, and developing leadership pipelines and kind of a leadership development culture. And so kind of unpack that a little bit, what you guys are doing there that might be encouragement and help to some other guys that are wrestling with those same issues. Yeah. Well, you're kind of catching us at a spot where we're really trying to isolate what that looks like and spell it out, which has been the better part of this year. So we, we said, let me say it this way. When we went on our own, that was the first thing that we said we have to tackle. Like, okay, we've been doing these things, but you know, but it's kind of one of those things like you, you're building a plane while it's moving kind of deal. Like well, some of some of it was Safety very yeah. Some of it was very much uh, I would say less intentional than we wanted to be, and much of it still is less intentional than we wanted to. But we have a plan to get it to where we want yeah. it to be. Um, and so I'm I'm kind of a systems guy, like I think that way. And so I'm very frustrated when things are not when there's not a systematic approach to things. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but we grew so fast. Um, Again, we we loosely we brought interns in, and we've always had interns and built an intern structure. Even when I did college, I did that. I mean, I had uh, paid interns. I had a few paid intern positions, but then I had a whole I called them volunteer interns. I was just going to be honest with them. It's like I can't pay you. Volunteers. Yeah, I, I can't I can't pay you. But what I can do is invest in you. Yeah. And so rather than them be chair movers, you know, or trash removers, which we're all, which I am and they are, yeah. we share that responsibility. But then we would meet it, you know, we would meet every week and we would go through things and we would do the planning and, and, and train them. So it started out that way. So now that we're now that we're on this side of being autonomous, I mean, the first thing that we did over the course of this first 10 months has been to isolate what that actually looks like intentionally. So what are we going to do at every level from a, a first time visitor to somebody, you know, where are we trying to take them to get into a group? How are they going to be discipled? How are they going to be equipped so that we can, we've always been big about raising up internally our own leaders. And so if you look at our staff, the majority of our staff, had to, they weren't hired in, they they were raised up. And um, so we've got our preschool director that's not even graduated college yet, 
you know, like, you know, and uh, our children's director came out of our college ministry and um, so on and so forth. I mean, that's just a couple examples. But um, so what we've done is we've just isolated what we've always been doing and then said, okay, we've got to be better at this and this and this. And uh, when I leave here, I'm going to have more of those conversations, actually, with some of our called some of our students that are called to ministry, which is interesting because we're in a college town, uh, but it's a state school. But I would say we have just as many, you know, called college students here as maybe what we would see on a Christian campus. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, now that's a big responsibility, obviously. So, yeah, the pipeline deal is pretty crucial to us. We've got to get a lot better at it, and so we've we've laid out a grid for how we want to do that. We've we've laid out an equipping pathway and a leadership pipeline that leads people through the steps of leadership and what we require, basically, or what we're going to say. This is what we want this level to have. This is what we want all of our group leaders to have, and you know, theological training or practical leadership training and those kind of things, so that our role as leaders becomes more about investing rather than doing yeah. at that point. And so we're not there yet. I mean, I'll be honest, we're not where we want to be. Yeah. But uh, we know where we're trying to go, yeah. you know. Well, one of the things that, you know, I know is always a challenge, particularly with younger leaders, um, you, you do a lot of equipping and pouring into and training and things like that. But the toughest challenge I've seen for a lot of churches that is then giving them space to lead. Sure. Uh, you know, we yeah. talked about this in our young leaders panel yesterday and, and you know, how many of you guys were, were pushed into leadership, you mm-hmm. know, by some sure. key leaders in your churches and encouraged to do things that you may not have thought you could do on your own, but they also gave you permission to fail. They gave you space to learn. And, and that's always one of the biggest challenges, not just about equipping and increasing knowledge, but there's got to be that practical side. They've got to put that knowledge into practice and serve somewhere. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of the spaces that are great, you know, entry spots for you guys uh, in, in letting people lead and learn? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say, I mean, it kind of starts all the way down in the very beginning. I mean, we're, we're trying to get our, our kids engaged in serving opportunities in different ways. And so that's very simple. But then once we get to junior, junior high and high school, it becomes a, lot, a little bit more intentional. Like by the time they're in 10th grade, um, we want them serving in an area, yeah. you know. Um, and so they get partnered up with uh, another leader in a ministry area. And they, you know, once you're in 10th grade, you know, we want you serving somewhere. Now, we still do the discipleship, sit around a circle and all those kind of things. We do some stuff at night. We do different things. But we've just said discipleship's not sitting, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the whole, like, lamenting, oh, these students leave the church when they graduate high school. I'm yeah. like, well, all you, you had them sit for 18 years. Exactly. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. so, like, I wouldn't sit for 18 years. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, And so my story was people said, hey, come and let's do together and I sat in a circle some but that didn't that's not all I did and so I think if we if if we want to really be intentional about it then I mean it starts young so we've got uh, my daughter is a senior in high school and she leads a preschool class yeah you know um, our college students same thing so we we try to move them as quickly as we can into that Um, positional wise like I mean we, we treat everything we call them journey groups from preschool to adult they're all the same thing so you're not leading a fourth grade class; you're leading a, a, a four year old or a fourth grade journey group. Right. And some people are going to lead forty five year old journey groups. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we try to use a lot of the same training across the board. Say this is it provides uniformity. So um, that that allows us to have some clarity. So uh, somebody goes through our membership class; they all start in the same spot. 
They all go serve in the same area. They all serve in our guest service area because it's part of our process. They get acclimated to that. Um, They do that for three months before they can ever serve in a preschool area. And that's all this insurance stuff and things like that. We've kind of provided Mm -hmm. that as a safeguard. But it's intentional on our part, too, because we're saying we want you to get in at at kind of the bottom level of required requirement for you. It's the easiest place to start, but it's the most strategic place in our process. And so they're on the front lines real quick of meeting people saying hi and they feel like they're you know we say we're gonna put you on the front lines first and so they got immersed in it even though the preparation outside the time is not real high so we start for three months in that and then we move them into journey groups as well you know where they're serving in that which is our primary thing and so in our journey groups then we try to as most people do with groups we try to live out our values through that which for us is get closer grow deeper and go further which is disciple family missionary we would try to live those things out inside those groups. And so every group has a go further initiative that we try to help them you know, develop so that they're actually serving together yeah. in mm-hmm. that. So they're service oriented in that. Even if you're just a even if you're just in a group, you're gonna serve. Right. And then, you know, from there as you move up the pipeline, it becomes a lot more intentional, obviously, which, you know, that becomes sitting down and saying, Let's let, these people are gifted to teach. Let's get them opportunities to teach at a student service, at our college service. Um, you know, have somebody fill in on Sunday morning, which just happened this past Sunday when I was gone, um, and those kind of things. And so, uh, and then, and then with worship, we, you know, we, uh, we, we try to plug them into that. We're doing a thing tomorrow night for uh, creatives in our in our congregation, trying to form a, a bigger creative pool, you know, um, and give them an outlet to help us brainstorm and things how we can be create a culture in our church of creativity and, and stuff like that. And so, you know, there's some of it's intentional, some of it we're developing, um, and that might be more than what you asked for. No, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, at Summit, you know, where we attend, you know, they start plugging in high school students, junior high and high school students, eighth grade, mm-hmm. serving children's area. Some of my, you know, my son started doing media in the children's area, right. uh, you know, pro presenter, all that stuff. My daughter taught in a, uh, she was on stage because she's nuts and, you know, helped <laughs> with the kids' ministry. And then they both, you know, helped in a class, you know, a, a kids' class as well. And, and and I, you know, that's been huge for them because it's their church too. Right. Like even when, when Christy and I go out of town for a weekend, Austin's still serving, mm-hmm. you know, at Summit. And now Sydney's up here and, you know, part of Journey, and you guys have given her space to, Mm-hmm. serve as well and, and that's something she I think she's one of my daughter's school. leaders yeah yeah exactly. so it's kind of interesting wow. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh and she loves it I mean that's mm-hmm. she she doesn't want to miss because of you know because of that right and uh so it you know Summit was her church just as much as it was ours and now Journey is her church just as much as much as it is anybody else and sure yeah you guys have given space to do that and, right and, yeah uh, yeah, and we try to be really intentional even with that. Like, I mean, we're having a we do a monthly membership class, and so this one we really we're really pressing in on the college students this this November class. You've been here, even freshmen, you've been here long enough, and we press them to say we don't do watch care membership. <laughs> we don't do any of that. We say like, no, if you're here, you're here. Like, you know, when my daughter went off to college, I said find a church. You know, I'm the pastor of this church, but I would celebrate when she went somewhere else and said, I'm going to take ownership. And so we think it's pretty crucial for them to make a decision mm. themselves to say, I am going to do this as an adult, yeah. and I'm going to I'm going to invest here and be a part of this church. And we take out the safety net yeah. from them. 
because yeah. I mean it's time for them to grow up. Even if they haven't, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna press you to, right? Because it's time for you to do that. Because like I said, it, it's time for you to lead. And that whole thing of wait until they're thirty five or whatever and come back, like you're missing such an opportunity. That, I mean, the church suffers. Yeah, uh, they suffer when you just don't expect them to come back till they have kids, yeah. you know. No, like we're going to we're going to shape the church out of you, yeah. you know. And what a better place to meet your spouse anyway. <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Not not to mention the I've heard some I forget who I was talking about, but that the, there's not a lot of people in especially younger generations are coming up that want to come and sit and right. view something. Right. They they want to come and they want to be a part of something. They want to create something. They mm-hmm. want to. Do you find that to be the case? Oh and yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. The the days of uh, I'm supposed to be somewhere, so I'll go are over. <laughs> yeah. You know, for one, I mean, we talked about this in the panel yesterday. Like they can get any information they want in the palm of their hand at yeah. any mm-hmm. moment, and they do. Yeah. Hours they're on their phone, and if they want to, they want to know something a theological question. They'll just Google it. Yep. And get a question. They don't have to come to a priest, a rabbi, or a pastor yeah. anymore. And so Makes the church sense. has to be more about the experience communally, which is, I think, an opportunity in our culture because they're so devoid of that. There's a lot. People know more people or feel more connected, but they're more disconnected relationally than ever. Mm-hmm. And so that's the one thing that the church can provide in the information age, I think, that is unique. Um, and, and meet people where they are. And if the church is not willing to do that, if they're still basing their ministry off of information transfer, then they're they're going to miss out on the next generation because they're just not there. Yeah. You know, the, the whole community, and the example I use, I went to a concert in Nashville with my 13-year-old daughter um, this past weekend and at the Ryman Auditorium, and... The place was packed out. It was a it was a added night from a, two sold out shows. They added wow. a night, and the I sit next to my I'm with my 13 year old daughter. Next to her are two uh, a couple in their 70s. Uh, I've got wow. a dating couple, college co- couple over here. I've got some people in their 20s. The whole auditorium is packed out, and everybody knows every word to the song. Yeah, and it was the it, it, if if that kind of singing would happen in our churches people would walk out and go, man, the Holy Spirit was there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but what happened was a social thing that everybody, I mean, we walked out and it was like, man, that was a phenomenal night, yeah. you know? And what happened was there across age immigrants across age barriers, generations, there was something that brought people together. And then the people on stage were committed to drawing you into the experience, yeah. you know? They took songs that everybody knew all the words for and gave them a, an ex, they, they gave them an experience wow. in that that is magnetic, yeah. you know, and no, and people bought tickets for it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, not, not to use too much of a quote-unquote secular mindset, I think that's just human. Right. I think that's what it means to be created in the image of God. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we were created for community. We were created for creativity. We were created to share in something and... If they don't experience that at church, they're going to go somewhere and experience yeah. that. They're longing for it, yeah. you know, and it's special when they find it. I think it was, I was looking at an interview with, uh, I think it was Simon Sinek, uh, and talking about this younger generation coming up that they start creating as kids. Mm. You know, YouTube videos. I mean, kids all over the place have their own YouTube channels. Yeah. You know, Vine videos, mm-hmm. all these different things. And so they, they're continually creating, continually dreaming, and continually trying new things. And then we bring them in the church and say, sit. Exactly. And, and, that's, why they're, and that's why they're leaving. Yeah. And, uh, 
And so, um, you know, that, that's something the church has got to figure out yeah. uh, across the board. Uh, yeah. How do we develop these young leaders and give them space to create and grow and learn? And, and sometimes it's going to be messy and, and yeah. they're going to screw up. We yeah, do. yeah, and I think that's why it has to be intentional. Yeah. Again, the, the thing we said in the beginning, the gravitational pull is away from yeah. that. The older you get, the more analytical yeah. and less imaginative you typically get. Wow. You but know, well, some of us <laughs> don't call some of us don't years. call what you are imaginative. <laughs> so, like, or grown up, or grown up. <laughs> but it, I think it's a typical thing. Like once you become like I'm a manager now, yeah. at a level I never have had to be before. Right. Wow. Now, you know, and you know, my nature is to be creative, but mm. the reality is that of my work week, I'm planning budgets, I'm working on schedules, I am a boss. Um, I'm trying to manage a family. And so the, even within me, where I once I had 20 ideas a day that I was like going after, now I have ideas, but I'm like, I'm tired. You know what I mean? Like So so to pull that off. So here, but the reality is somebody has to be doing that. And whereas I'm now my position is different and I can't be the guy, you know, bouncing off the walls and creating. I've got to create. My wife says, "Open the door for." Her. Yeah, I've got to open the door for other people to be able to do that and yeah. take what has happened in the past and move it forward in a way that I never could. And so, replication in the church. You know, people talk about raising up leaders, and everybody says you got to replace yourself. Got to replace yourself. And what they typically mean is everybody but me. Like you know, right. like and so for a pastor, they're like, "Oh, we want our groups to multiply. We want more volunteers," but. We don't want any more pastors in my spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But if for the church to do what the church is supposed to do, shouldn't it be yeah. where somebody is in our spot? Yeah. You know, and we yeah. become the door openers right. for those people. And I, I haven't. That's new for me. Like yeah. I, I, that's that's where I've got to learn and get better, um, because that that's the next phase. I think that I'm in now in my forties. Um, it's not it's not as natural yeah. for me to do that, yeah. you know. But that's where I'm at. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. And that's a that's a man such a great word, you know, to think about that. You know, you move from the creative communicator to the the one who opens the door for the next creative. The hero maker is yeah, really it's, what you're it's, becoming. Yeah, it's Dave Ferguson's the yeah. hero maker stuff, yeah. and uh, um, that's a very kingdom mindset. <laughs> That's, well, yeah, it's hard. It's hard for folks. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you a negative example of it real quick, if <laughs> yeah. I can, for all your podcast <laughs> listeners out there. Yeah, yeah. We like the negative. Yeah, and hard. and this is not a theological thing, so I don't want anybody giving y'all messages about my doctrine or anything. But, <laughs> but I, I was listening to um, in this Ask John thing, John Piper thing, mm-hmm. and they they posed a question to him about like why why they wanted why he was the main teacher all the time. And his at the end of the thing, he said, he goes, well, our people want to hear me teach. And I was just like, that's a horrible answer. Like, because that's the way it always is. Like, I mean, because if I have impacted someone's life, there is an attachment to me that at some point's healthy, but then it becomes unhealthy when they can't learn, when it becomes about who they see me to be and I'm just a man and you know I know me like I know I'm not like a rock star you know and so for them to attach to me the experience of what God did in their life Mm. and become depending upon that is an unhealthy thing and the only person that can govern that in a healthy way is not an elder board or a deacon body or a church congregation or some trustees the pastor has to be the one to do that 
And that responsibility falls on his shoulders to say, I know this is what you want, like a father was, but here's what you need, yeah. you know, and this is what they need, and, and and to build those things in place. And that's not an anti-John Piper. I love John Piper. I mean, I love his books, learned so much from him. But I just thought that I don't, I don't think that's the most healthy approach. Right. So don't send me any emails. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and send them. Don't you at me. send them to me. Yeah, send and, them to him. Because uh, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dave's favorite person is John Piper. Yeah. So you're really yeah. offending I don't him. even know why I thought of that, but, you know. Well, that, but, yeah. <laughs> and, and there are a lot of young guys he's impacted that are modeling their pastorates after that. They yeah. run the same thing. Yeah. And, and it's not a doctrinal thing, yeah. like because you I mean if you're on the Andy Stanley spectrum on the other side or whatever you want to say, thing. it's the same thing. Greg Rochelle. Yeah, same whoever thing. whoever it is, uh, but what those the guy that's been there and ha- is raising that up, and I'm not saying John Piper hasn't done that. Yeah. It's really not about that. It's about the concept of what do people want versus what do they need, right. and well, people are always going to go toward what they're what they're what they've experienced and what's comfortable. Yep. Yeah, and we have to be the ones to say. Uh, We've got to be ahead, yeah. and we've got to say this is what they need. Right, right. This is what I need because yep. it's unhealthy for me uh, to be the centerpiece of everything. Yep. You yep. know. So. And, and what happens when they don't want to hear you teach anymore? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Exactly. You know. Yeah. That's so. And there may come a day, you know, for that. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Well, and when you said when you use the same illustrations over ten years, like it's, it gets it gets <laughs> yeah. rough. Okay, yeah. You know, all one. I know is my Seinfeld illustrations don't work anymore. Uh, so, like, uh, which like, is really unfortunate. Yeah, it's very yeah, unfortunate. It so is, it is. <laughs> I say Seinfeld, and they're like, what in the world Who are you talking Seinfeld? about? What is that? Uh, I had somebody say that to me the other day. And uh, Nick Burt is, uh, is, is one that really challenges us a lot. He's, he's 20-something. And he didn't know any of the movies that we like. Right. He didn't know any of the shows. I mean, it's all new. He's, you know, he's an iCarly fan and a Florida Georgia Line fan, and so he has no redeeming qualities. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't help too that he likes Duke basketball and the New York Yankees. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, he might as well be a Patriots fan. There you yeah. go. He, so. he is the poster child for mainstream pop culture. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, well, you know, and that's why we're trying to do this creative team for us, is because beyond, I, I am more and more aware of my lack of knowledge yeah like i people all the time they'll they'll say something i'm like who is that like i don't know who you're talking about are you i mean well it's it's social media too like i'm not on snapchat i'm not on instagram i'm not you know like i'm there's so many of these new things that that's only what they're on they're not on facebook they're not right you know Yeah. yeah so it's just all these changes that are you, you yeah. are. It's tough one on us, old fellas. You, yeah. you, you age quicker than you perceive you yeah. yourself yeah. to age. You yeah. really I do. think there's a biblical <laughs> mandate for that. Like we would say as pastors, we want to accurately exegete the Scripture, and we do. But we also have to accurately exegete our audience. Yep. Yeah. And so every, I mean, that's the act of preaching, right? You're it's right. not just getting up there and saying, this is what the, thus says the Lord. Right. It's thus says the Lord. And so let me b- build a bridge to you so that you can apply yeah. that to your life. Right. And if I can, if I don't know you, and again, this generation knows if you care or not. Yeah. If you, you know, if you're faking it. Yeah. You know, or you're unconcerned about where they are. And so empathy and, you know, understanding and all those kind of things and, and, uh, Man, it, that, that's work yeah. to try yeah. to understand that. Yeah. Um, so, Well, Leonard Sweet said one time, it's more important to know who you're speaking to than what you're going to say. 
Hmm. And he said, you can't know what you're going to say until you know who you're speaking to. Yeah. And you got to know your audience. Right. And, uh, uh, cause that, everything is contextual you know i mean it's they're gonna you may say it one way but they're gonna hear it another way based on who they are right. and how they're wired and how they see things and so it's important to know who they are and uh that crash was chad dropping his cell phone <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. i'm so, singing uh, around <laughs> so need my fidget spinner he's fidgeting that's right, that's right and so uh uh dude that's awesome yeah that's great that's great well, well man you got anything else? I don't think so. I was about to say, I feel, I feel... I feel fulfilled. I feel full. Yes. <laughs> yes. My cup overfloweth, My Dan. My Dan oh. Reeves meter is... Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's peaking. Yeah. I need to come hang out with y'all more. Yeah. <laughs> no one else cares about what I say quite as much <laughs> right. as the two of you. <laughs> yeah. We hang oh. on your every word, Dan. Mm. And, uh, we want to hear you teach. Okay. <laughs> Oh, well, really what we then, then, then that's what you shall have. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Forget these other. Let's leaders. give you exactly what it's you want, which is more me. That's right. I think what the world needs is more Dan Reeves. World needs now. That's All right, it's time to needs. shut this thing down. Yeah. <laughs> this is going nowhere. Everyone has already left the podcast. That's right. Point. That's this right. Is this, is, this it, guy's prattled on long. It enough. doesn't help that we're about uh, two thirds through day two of the marathon that is the annual meeting yes so yeah sleep depravity and all those things are happening yeah this is yes. where the silliness creeps in and doesn't leave yes and yeah so, and we've got the commissioning service tonight so we got to be oh. on point tonight yeah so, uh, be serious and yeah. spiritual and yeah. everything very difficult for me very yes. difficult so gotcha all right folks well thanks for joining us and great conversation dan thanks for hanging out with us in the closet at central baptist church the, the sound room closet. I mean, it's a soundproofed and everything. It so, is. Uh, I guess they do some recording in here. Yeah. And uh, so it's pretty cool styrofoam soundproofing on the wall. So, uh, yeah. Is that styrofoam or just foam? It's uh, acoustical, acoustical, uh, acoustical, acoustical, acoustical wall tri- treatments. Wall treatments. <laughs> yeah, hey, did we go. want to do some rapid fire with Dan? Oh, we did, hey, we do. We, need did, to do we rapid didn't fire. do it. We didn't do rapid fire. Can we do it real quick? We got to do rapid fire. Let's do it real quick. Okay. All right. Top one or two books that have had the most impact on you. Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard uh, is number one. As well, um, one of the ones that I read, read recently, I, I like audio booked <laughs> recently, uh, was uh, Extreme Ownership Leadership book by hmm. two Navy SEALs. Oh wow! Um, uh, very good book. Yeah. Um, those um, those are the ones too that popped to my head. But I, I go back to Willard stuff that and Revenge of the Heart. I go back to that yeah. on repeat. Yeah, you know. Wow. Divine Conspiracy, Spirit of the Disciplines, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah. What about your biggest strength and weakness in ministry? Uh, biggest biggest strength is I have ability to connect with a wide range of people, from people that like professional wrestling, yes, it's true, <laughs> to uh, <laughs> hipster people, to whatever. Like, uh, you know, all over I can connect you, with a lot of people. You look like a hipster professional wrestler. Like, your yeah. attire and your vibe, it comes across yeah. as... <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you my wrestling name later. But, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. For a wrestling connection there, I did see that Roman Reigns has. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, uh, wow. I heard that yeah, and yeah. immediately had to look it up last night because, yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Um, so that's a strength. I feel I can connect with a lot of people. Probably weakness is um, sometimes I uh, am not aggressive enough because uh, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. So Okay. 
understand Fair and enough. hurt my feelings many times. Everyone except yours. <laughs> I don't, care <laughs> I don't, don't care at all. Favorite pastime or hobby? Uh, favorite pastime, watching baseball, yeah. um, hanging out with my kids. I know that's cliche, but, I mean, i got four girls. Yeah. Uh, that's what I like doing. Yeah. Favorite movie? Uh, wow, favorite movie. Um, I like... Uh, I like all the Rocky movies. <laughs> we get that a lot. I yeah. really do. Like my wife is like totally over it um, yeah. at this point. Well, she was over it before it began. But um, like, uh, there's so much in there I like. Um, hey, when it comes on TNT, you got to watch it. Yeah, I like that. I, yeah, I like that. So uh, that's Rocky Four a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, ago. yeah, I can remember that movie going to the movie theater and everyone in the audience cheering in the movie theater. Yeah. Like I can remember that. Yeah. yeah. So um, I like that. And I've gotten into, at this point, point in my life, you're going to laugh at me, but the movie Father of the Bride like, is one of my funny. favorite movies yeah. of all time. I've watched it. And some of that I've watched on repeat again because of my kids. But <laughs> I'm now I have four daughters. I have, four, I have four daughters, yeah, and so like you. that, and so. That's uh, the story of your life right now. It is. How old are your daughters? I have now? one that's twenty, uh, one that's uh, almost eighteen, one that just turned, I uh, one that just turned thirteen, one that just yesterday turned ten. So, yeah. what's your financial situation? I mean, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's anyone out there that needs like consulting, you know, that doesn't come from the convention that you would actually pay for. Yeah. No, just joking. <laughs> No, it's a. Uh, it's their yard we just finished. We just our, our oldest daughter just got married, so that was an experience. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah okay. in, in September. So yeah, that's mm. not finance question is not a fun one. Sorry, right now. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that wasn't part of rapid fire. I right, digress. it wasn't. That's right. Yeah. Um, band or musician? Favorite band or musician? I'm so 45. You you too. Yeah. Man, me too. You know what I mean? Me I can't too. help it. I'm really sorry. It's yeah, the soundtrack well, of my life. You're in a really good place with me now. Yeah. Dave, not so much, but it's okay. Yeah, I if like it, you, you know. too, mm-hmm. but they're not my favorite band. So. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's an easy sell for me. Yeah. They're my favorite. I, I you know. Have you seen them? Uh, I've seen them three times. It's a, it's, it was a bucket list thing for me. I saw them in Kansas City a couple of years ago. Yes. I wanted to see them on the Fantastic. when Muse was open for them. I saw Muse open for them. Yeah, they're amazing. They came to Dallas and I just mm-hmm. didn't want to buy it for eighty thousand. Yeah, I saw them at the Georgia Dome. Yeah, yeah. I saw them with Beck. Yeah, it's pretty. See, I would not. I don't care anything about. And I saw them last year with Muse, uh, man. Uh, Lumineers. That was cool, was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, here Rapid fire with Dan Reeves. Uh, a peek into his soul. And uh, the things that make him tick. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Or Twitch. I'm not sure. Yeah, so. both. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And we will see you next time on The Grind. Keep grinding.